is brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope and help to those lost in addiction. Rich and Susan are a husband and wife team who found grace and freedom from 20 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol. They broke free from their bondage 15 years ago and are here to share their experience of God's power in recovery. God can change lives. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Freedom to Choose. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. Uh, Susan, we've covered a lot of ground in the last few programs, and I kind of wanted, before we get going, to do a little bit of review on what's really important in in what we've been discussing. And I think the kind of common thread that's going through it is thoughts are very important, aren't they? Yes, they are. And what I think uh, we discussed in one of our previous episodes that... Uh, what you're thinking can actually change the chemical composition of your brain cells and the rest of your central nervous system. Like if you're thinking angry thoughts, you're teaching your brain to become what? An angry brain. An angry brain. And so thoughts are very important. And as we go through, then we've learned uh, in our next uh, few programs that we have ruts in our brains and they're hard to get out of, get out of those ruts. That's right. That's that chemical composition and what we think it translates into these ruts, which translates into behavior. And so what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to talk about um, giving complete control of our lives over to God and why it's hard to do sometimes. Okay, and, and that's right. And why is it so hard for some of us to give complete control of our lives to God? And does that mean we turn into puppets once we do that? No. Okay. Susan, would you would you begin today with a, uh, today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for another day of life. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be speaking on the radio and uh, to let people know about what it means to give your give your life over to to you and to to start fresh and to be just a, a new creation and we just pray that you will touch each of the hearts and the ears that are listening now and that many will um, just hear a message of love from you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that you've given yourself to God? Let me tell you a story. One day I was coming home from El Dorado Hills on Highway 50, and I was coming down, uh, down 50 heading west, and I'd got about to Prairie City Road exit. And I looked over on the side of the freeway, and there was a, a nice little 1975 Chevy pickup. Beautiful thing with a matching camper. And there was a man standing out by the pickup. And there was a little trickle of smoke coming out from underneath the hood of that pickup. And so I pulled over real quick. The man ran up to me with a big kind of a almost an apprehensive grin and said, do you have a fire extinguisher? I said, yeah, sure I do. And I opened my, uh, my other door and got underneath my seat and it wasn't there. So I thought I pointed to him and I pointed to the 
toolbox, and I said, I'll get it out of the toolbox. It must be in the toolbox. So I opened the toolbox, and it wasn't there. So I went around the other side of the truck, opened the other toolbox. It wasn't there. So then I dug underneath the passenger seat, and it wasn't there either. So then I began running up and down the freeway, trying to stop somebody. And, you know, most big truckers, they, 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 I think by law they have to carry a fire extinguisher and certain items, and so I knew they had one. So I'm trying to flag a trucker down. Meanwhile, we had called 911, and the, I'm sure the fire department was on the way, so I'm, I'm, I'm you know, not too nervous. But I'm I'm thinking, boy, if I could just get a fire extinguisher right now and, and put this thing out. And so no one would pull over. And so I walked back over to the man, and his name was Elmer. And I remember, never forget him. He had coveralls on and just a nice gentleman. And we backed off because... The what's well, what happened? He had just that day. Well, that's what he, he we, we backed off. We backed off and we stood about 150, 200 feet away. And I began talking to Elmer. And as the smoke started getting bigger and bigger, he, he began to tell me about that truck. And he says, you know, I just got it out of the shop. I just had it worked on. It has 30,000 original original miles on it. And as the flames got bigger and a tear ran down Elmer's cheek, and the flames got bigger, and they got bigger. Then the gas tank caught on fire, and a big fireball went up, caught the forest on fire. The tires started blowing out on the thing. And Elmer, of course, was crying by that time, and I had my arm around him, and I just felt so sad and so helpless. And it was all because I didn't have what I thought I had. And then I had to ask myself, does this hold true with my relationship with God? Do I really have one? Or when I pray, am I just taking out, quote-unquote, fire insurance? Am I just giving God a grocery list? Am I thanking him for yesterday's groceries and then giving him today's grocery list? Oh, and by the way, forgive me for my sins. I don't name them all, but that's my fire insurance. I want to make sure that I'm forgiven, you know, and, and, and so I question myself sometimes, and I don't know if any of you do this, but I ask myself, do I really deep down in my heart not want a relationship with God? Because sometimes I don't act like it. Do I really not want to live a holy life? But I really don't want to go to hell either. So I get down on my knees and I take out fire insurance by communicating with God just enough I think, to get by, you know, to keep me out of the lake of fire. And then, of course, when I think these thoughts, I think of Jesus and maybe some warnings he might have given people. Is this a condition of the people Jesus is talking about when, when he says in Matthew seven twenty one, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, Jesus said, I never knew you. Away from you. Away from me, you evildoers. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I never knew you for who you said you were. You were acting. Their problem? 
they have relied on self and not God. Everything that they did had a selfish motive and resulted in some sort of selfish benefit to them. You know, we're told to examine ourselves, especially, I, I think the text is Second Corinthians 13.5. Right. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Fail the test. Well, how will I fail the test? In my mind, the only way I, I can think of failing the test is if my motives are selfish. See, having selfish motives is a terrible addiction. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You need a heart change. You need to start thinking of others and not yourself. The heart change, of course, is a process because even though our heart is being changed and we begin to want to do good, the selfish brain patterns are still there, and we have to unlearn that. And that's why we're, we're emphasizing a, what you think is so important, because if we continue to think selfish thoughts, we will continue to teach our brain to become a selfish brain, and we will act accordingly. This is where free, free will and trust in God come in. Because, you see, God always has our well-being in mind. And he doesn't ask us to give up anything that would be in our best interest to keep. You know, the, the thing that I always remember is um, when I was out there and I was an active user was always, you know, if, if, the, if my probation officer would just leave me alone or, or you know, if my parents would have done that. Were or they the, trying to help you? Well, at that point, I thought that they were trying to get me. Yeah, they were trying to get you in trouble, but you were already in trouble. Correct. See, that's what we—we've got it flipped around, and I think the devil's a big part of that. You know, I think about the—the the, we see God as an enemy, and we see him of as enemy. We see his advice as as uh, rules and rules regulations and regula- that box us in that they're right. not for our own good, right? I mean, you think of a guy who who. Uh, is going to jump out of a plane with a parachute, okay? And this is how absurd things can get. Just think of this man jumping out of a plane with a parachute, yet he's really tired of that flight instructor, that that jumping instructor, telling him what to do all the time. He's saying, make sure that you buckle this right and strap this right and count so many seconds before you pull that ripcord. Make sure you pull that ripcord. And he's going through over and over the sequence of what this man is supposed to do when he jumps out of that plane to make sure that he doesn't splatter himself on the ground. And so how absurd would it be for that man to jump out of that plane and begin to count and say, you know, I really am sick of these rules. In fact, I'm so sick of these rules that I'm going to exercise my free will and I'm not going to pull that ripcord. Well, what would happen? He would die, of course. But if he pulls the ripcord, he's free to jump another day. Right. And see, that's the way it is with God and his advice. We are free to do so many things. Right. He gives us the freedom to choose. He does. And if we choose him... We have many, many more choices that will follow. But if we choose evil, that is a road to destruction. It's documented in the Bible. It's documented in people's lives around us. We can see evidence of it all over the place. And so God simply says, I want to help you. 
right? These this this is what's going to help you to to have life and have it more abundantly. I know that we've said that before because God desires us to have the very best. Yeah, and He doesn't want to see us suffer. No, no, He doesn't want to see us suffer. Yeah, all He wants to put us all in the path of joy. That's right. So how do we find this path of joy? How do I sen- surrender myself completely to God? So I just give up and I lay down or, or I let him, you <laughs> know, in, take, out my, take out my brain and put in, put in a remote control unit in my head. Yeah. And see, another question that I like to ask myself in this complete surrender is, could it be that right now, even though I'm doing quote-unquote good things, can I even be doing these good things for the wrong reason? Susan, have you ever done the right thing for the wrong reason? The right things for the wrong reason, yes. I, I've always been a people pleaser, and so I want to do, you know, I want to please people. So many times I'll make a decision to do something when, when one, I don't have the time or um, I don't have the energy or whatever it is, but I just feel compelled by my feelings in order to be accepted that I have to do something. And so sometimes, a lot of times we'll make our decisions, we'll base our decisions, and we'll talk here in just a little bit about like, want, and need. But, you know, there's a need to be accepted. There's a need to be needed. There's a need to be in control. Right, but it, it, am I doing doing what I'm doing for the right reason, or if I am I just doing it so that people will like me? Right. Now, now the first person you worked with in your recovery, did, did they recognize this uh, need to say, yes, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do everything else. Yes, she uh, did. And so what she told me was, <laughs> you are are not able to say no. And so what I want you to do is on this piece of paper, we're going to write something down. And from now on, you need to carry it around in your pocket. And when anybody asks you a question, you're to pull out the piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, it said, had three sentences. The first was, no, thank you for the asking. The second one was, no, thank you for asking, but if I change your, my mind, I'll let you know. And the third one was just no. I needed to learn how to change my brain from from desiring to, to just want to, to be liked by doing good things to understand that I can't do everything. So is there a difference between feeling good and being good? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, because see, you thought you needed to be accepted, and therefore that drove... Your decision. My, my motives. Instead and, of recognizing that I am accepted already. Exactly. Exactly. And and it goes down the line with any behavioral addiction. And in a little bit, we'll talk about like, want, and need. Another, another aspect of making decisions, what about the word halt? What does that mean? It means hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You should never make a decision if you're experiencing one of those four um, states of mind. Right. So you don't want to, you don't want to make a decision. A big decision. A big right. De- yeah. Yeah. Because you've got other things on your mind also when that happens. Now, doing the right things for the wrong reasons. I think Jesus even spoke on that. Do you remember the Pharisee and the tax collector? And the Pharisee was doing good things, but he was doing it for the wrong reason. And he, the way he expressed those things he was doing kind of revealed that. In Luke 18, 9, the Bible says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So why was he engaged in this behavior? See, one version says that he was sure of his own goodness. Another version says that Jesus spoke this parable to them, some of them who trusted in themselves. In other words, see, he trusted in self. Right. He trusted that he was a good person. And see, I can relate to this because my whole life I trusted in something else also. I trusted in a baggie or a bottle, but never God. See, alcohol wasn't my problem. It was my solution. Methamphetamine wasn't my problem. It was my solution. Cocaine wasn't my problem. It was my solution. And see, all of these solutions to these problems were the wrong solutions. This Pharisee's solution was he was thanking God he wasn't like these other sinners when in in fact he was doing these things for the wrong reason. He was saying, look at me, I fast, look at me, I tithe. Very selfish motives. See, and see, my thinking, my go-to guy was the alcohol or the drugs, and I needed to change my way of thinking, and it took me 25 years and then and and then a lot of times what happens is when you come out of addiction you're you're you come out and you're uh relying on your own self will your own reliance your ability to say no right when a lot of times when it, it that's not the answer that's not the answer see albert einstein once said we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them see and and, and Someone that's in addictive behavior, doesn't matter what kind it is, they every day think they can get out of that behavior with the same kind of thinking that they used throughout it. Right. This time it'll be different. This time it'll be different. Well, it won't unless we rely on God. I mean, that's just the way it is. Now, see, another thing that that when I kind of came to, when I kind of began the process of conversion, um, because I hadn't realized how much impact my selfish choices had on others. And uh, this was kind of manifested to me uh, in a real way not too long ago, about four or five months ago. Uh, See, I'm a superintendent for a general contractor here in town, and we pour concrete, and we do general contracting all over the state. And we're doing a job in Redwood City, and I was at the at this particular day, I was taking uh, three trucks to Redwood City, and so there's two ways to go from here, and one is over the San Mateo Bridge, and the other is over the Bay Bridge. Well, this particular day, we had got our trucks over that bridge, and I was almost into Redwood City, and it came on the radio that someone had parked a, a vehicle on the Bay Bridge with a bomb in it, and they shut down the Bay Bridge, and I got to thinking. Those people that were backed up, I don't know, maybe all the way to Fairfield for all I know, because it was backed up all morning. Could you imagine the vehicles on that freeway? Well, think about the planes that got missed. Think about the surgeries that got missed, the job interviews, the overseas flights and job interviews and conferences. You name it, 
all these things got missed or pushed back. Somebody might have lost a job. Somebody might have not uh, got the the operation Just they needed. So many unforeseen consequences. Unforeseen consequences because somebody decided to do this. And so this is incredible. And I thought, you know what? Our choices have a ripple effect. And if we're selfish, they have a ripple effect that hurt people. So that precipitates the question, how do I make this surrender of myself to God? How can I begin to do right things for the right reasons? You know, you desire to give yourself to him, but you're weak. Myself, I'm in slavery to doubt half the time, and I'm controlled by habits of my life. And as one author puts it, my promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. They just don't hold up. Well, as far as addictions go, there are three things that drive what we do and influence our choices, and that's like, want, and need. Sometimes we like something and want it but really don't need it. However, we condition ourselves to need it. We can even convince ourselves that we need something when we know it will destroy us. Then once we decide we need it, the thought of our destruction becomes no longer important to us. Or out of necessity, we will actually make ourselves believe that we are not destroying ourselves. For instance, someone who loses their cool regularly may not like to do it or want to do it, but they think they need to do it. So what if they really don't like to do it, really don't want to do it, yet they still think they need to do it, blow a little steam off now and then? Then that's what they're going to do because they think they need to. If you think you need to other people's approval all the time, then you'll run around being a yes person. If you think you need to show your authority, then you'll be running around showing your authority. If you think you need to blow a little steam off now and then, then you will. It's all on what we think we need for ourselves. This is where the proper exercise of the will comes in. Do we really need to engage in this questionable behavior? And that's what we need to ask ourselves, and do we want to do this, or do we want to do the right thing because it is the right thing? Well, we need to trust in somebody or something else, don't we, Susan? That's right. Who do we trust in? You have to trust in God. What does is, what is Proverbs 3, 5 say? It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You see, a lot of times things don't look like they're going to come together right, and that's when we need to trust God. A lot of times they don't feel like they're going to come together right, right. but we trust God and we do the right thing because it is the right thing because our way of thinking is selfish and has got us into trouble. Correct. And that's what we have to remember. You know, turning one's life over to the care of God is a choice that must be made every day and quite possibly minute by minute. Do you sometimes have to... Just minute by minute say, Sometimes Lord. Sometimes it's moment by moment. I don't know why this is going on, Lord, but I'm going to give it to you. And you take it back five minutes later and you say, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. And we always, we have to refer back to God's word, not what our feelings or our thoughts are, but what does God's word say? And it says, you know, if um, all things work together for good. That's right. To those that love God. That's right. Now we want to take this time to thank you, those, thank those of you that have been calling in and have been supporting our program. We've had a lot of responses, people calling in with uh, requests for some, some uh, resources and for us to come and speak and... Uh, it's it's very encouraging for us. Rich and I actually have real jobs outside of our little ministry, and and so we we do work um, 
a full week, and, and we do this on the side. We were just at a church this weekend where we gave four presentations. We like to go and to encourage people and to give our testimony. And uh, if you would like to have us come to your church, um, we don't charge anything. We, we just want to give out the, the solution to the problems that we're all suffering from. Dude, did we have a, how many people? Um, we had about 65 people come back after the church service for the afternoon services. And then they had 25 people sign up for the group Bible study that they're going to start using our workbook. And it's just really encouraging. There's church people that are struggling with certain things, and, and you get them together with people from your outreach from out in the community, and uh, it really works out great. Uh, so if if that's an outreach that you're thinking about maybe doing, please contact us, and the number, of course, will uh, will come up here after the program. And remember, folks, there are only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity and being overrun with the devastation of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials and have created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Book for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916 645 1297 or go to just as a nonprofit they are blessed by people like you 916-645-1297 or www.justasiamministries.com thank you for listening and remember you can do all things through christ who strengthens you